Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ culture and the church. Hey guys, welcome to the studio. I am joined here today with my co-host Stephen. Hello everyone. And special guest, Miss Morgan McClure. What's up guys? Long and time no see. Welcome back. And Laura is out of the studio today for this episode, but it is great to have Morgan back with us. We were talking even before we recorded, it was like, man, it's bringing us back to our origins. It's yeah, like... Back to the old days. Everything, everything seems, you know, like back in the day again. So, but man, there's been a lot happening with all of us. I think specifically with you. Yeah. And I think it'd be really cool to kind of give our podcast listeners an update on where you are in life right now, as much as you feel comfortable to, but sure. to kind of give us kind of where you're headed, because a lot of people have been with you through this whole thing. And Yeah, uh, it's like, I mean, what, are we coming on t- two years now with this podcast? It is, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. Do you remember so, when it all started? In I do Aaron's remember. living room and we were discussing um, names and for the show. we spent three hours <laughs> deliberating a name we amongst other things. We don't but, need to get back yeah. to that. Oh. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was fun. I can't believe it's been two years though. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, so things, I, I know I mentioned several months ago um, when I was last on the show that um, I'm working toward, you know, becoming a global worker, going internationally and and just kind of, you know, following the Lord where he's been leading over the last couple of years in my life. And I'm finally to the point where there is a genuine next step for me. And so um, it's pushed me into the process of partnership development. Um, my org likes to call it. It's really support raising. Um, and so this is like a whole new um, area of trust for me um, and, and trusting that the Lord's going to give me what I need before I can um, uh, move into this next step of training where I'll be moving to a different state, um, working with the population that I'm hoping to be serving in their homeland and spending a lot of time learning language, but also helping out um, a ministry with administrative capacities, mm-hmm. which is really funny how all of Such that... Such an amazing opportunity. Yeah, like God a, like, took your role here at the at church, church and, and then, then with my resettlement work. Resettlement yeah, work, and he's just kind of like combined them one. all together. When I read the description of what I'd be doing with them, um, this, this group I'll be helping out, I literally laughed out loud to myself in my kitchen, in my apartment, because I was like, this is just, it's totally God. Like he was the only one who could organize it this way. So specifically to what I needed and what I'd hoped for. And so. Which is so thrilling, yeah. really being able to step into all of this. Like what has kind of been your thoughts as you've kind of entered into this new phase of support raising? I mean, does it feel surreal that it it's does. all kind of starting? Like in like, a lot of ways, this is a culmination of many years of yeah. prayer and I'm still, you know, I'm still not close to actually moving overseas yet, but I'm closer than, I mean, it's a huge step moving into now, um, being funded by others. Like I'm, you know, not going to be bringing in the money myself. So that's an area of like surreal sort of trust that I have to have. Um, but it's also, you know, really like I, I feel so excited because it's like, yes, like the Lord is just saying, you know, this door is open so you can walk right through it. And, uh, I'm just really pumped for what the next couple of months hold. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you're listening and you want to learn more about this, I think you reach out to us here at Where We Land and we can get you in contact with Morgan and how you can come alongside her yep. in this new journey. So I've got a newsletter. Love to have you follow along. Yeah. I, I read the newsletter. Stephen by the and way. Aaron both are on the list. I, I know Stephen I, I has. It. He's I've hearted. read all of them. That's excellent. I just haven't hearted. He just hasn't hearted. I have, I'm not used to the other. I was a little, right. little right. douchey and a little extra. <laughs> well, hey, that's what I love about it. This platform is really cool. It is really, really cool. cool. Yeah. It is really cool. It's awesome. I love it. Well, today on the podcast, we are talking about eternal life. And, you know, at first you might have, you know, thought about what the episode is about and think, oh, I think I may know what that is. But I think it's one of those words or phrases, really, that is used in the church. The Bible says so much about eternal life. Uh, in many ways, the entire foundation of our faith is, uh, in many ways, uh, rest on this truth. And so, um, and and the concept of what all this means. And yet, I think for a lot of Christians and uh, even many people, I think it's a concept that seems rather vague. And I think our impressions of it is probably largely shaped by uh, kind of the context that we grew up in and mm-hmm. the way that we heard it described, but maybe not so much f- from how the Bible frames it. And um, so today on the podcast, we're kind of taking it in two segments. We're going to kind of talk about uh, what is eternal life, right? Kind of what does the Bible mean when it uses that phrase? And then we're going to kind of take a second part and look at, well, what are the implications of eternal life uh, for a person who is in Christ? And how does that impact their life both now and later? So uh, we hope you'll stick with us for the full discussion as we just kind of have a great conversation about eternal life. It's so, it's so funny that like, uh, cause Aaron had reached out to me and he was like, Hey, you know, we want to bring you back on the podcast. Like, has there been any burning questions that you have? And then I was like, deer in the headlights. Cause at the moment my brain was totally fried and I was like, I have no burning questions. But the next morning I was watching this Bible project devotional video that popped up and it was on eternal life. And let me tell you, it like rocked my world because mm. it, it took just one phrase that we've heard since childhood, most of us who grew up in the church, and it just suddenly illuminated it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I've been thinking of eternal life completely wrong. So like, mm. um, I, I think the first question we want to start out with is just like, what, what does the Bible really mean when it says eternal life? What's that phrase trying to hint at? Yeah, I think it well, I think a couple places. I think there's a couple verses. One is John 17, mm-hmm. verse 3, where the Bible says, now this is eternal life. I mean, the Bible literally defines it for us. Uh, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So I think that phrase unpacks it and really unlocks the key uh, to eternal life. And that is in that phrase, that they know you. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, Really, eternal life is all summed up in a person's personal relationship, their knowledge of God, and that uh, relationship with God being who He is, right? The only true God, uh, the God of the Bible, the God that's been revealed to us, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. So, Stephen, how would you expound or add to that? Yeah, I think when it comes to eternal life, um, we're kind of encountered in our Bibles, at least with like eternal life in Genesis, right? Mm-hmm. We're encountered with the fact that time began in Genesis and it doesn't use the term eternal life, but there's this concept where when God said, let there be light, let there be days and he began time. Right. And so we see the concept begin there. And then you even see it pop back up in Genesis three in a more particular manner. Cause you, God is like, Hey, 
man cannot live in the Garden of Eden because if he does, he will eat of the tree of life mm-hmm. and live forever. And like the Hebrew word there is going to have that, and it, it can mean a lot of different things, but one of the meanings and in the context there, it means literally like life without end, right? Mm-hmm. This life everlasting. And so I think, yes, like eternal life means life without end. So more focused <laughs> in like a span of time. But there is th- that element of it. I think it also means like without beginning and without end. And it describes God because God is eternal. He lives outside of time. And so I think there's that element too on top of it. But then I think that there's also an element of where eternal life is something that is given to us as Christians to experience. And I think that that begins at salvation Mm -hmm. uh, personally. I think that when God gives us eternal life, that's not just something that's like waiting because he literally puts the Holy Spirit of God inside of us who is eternal. And so we are experiencing an element there of eternal life, even here on this earth, I believe. Yeah. And, and, and Jesus says that when that verse in John 17, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Some reason in that definition, I'm not seeing this, you know, this beginning after you die sort of life that just goes on and on forever. This is like a totally different type of life that he's talking about. He doesn't really refer to the quantity of time there. He's referring to the quality and like what you said, like something changes when the spirit of God is put inside of us and that eternal life begins right then and there. So I want to talk about, talking about salvation, right? Right. The moment yeah. Of salvation. The moment of yeah. salvation. And so um, they broke down this phrase in that Bible project video. I'm going to reference it a lot because it was very good. Even though it was only five minutes, I felt completely educated. Yeah, and, and I think we'll put the link to that in the yes. show notes so people can find that. Yeah. And so the, the phrase can actually mean, it really does at its root mean life unto the age. And that was like really wacky for me at first. I was like, that is not, you know, like in the dictionary when right. it uses a word to define the word, but the word is in the word. So you're like, I'm still totally lost. Still a loss. Yeah, I guess yeah so. but what it's talking about is that eternal life. When we come to know Christ, when that moment of salvation happens and the Holy Spirit comes into us, we enter in um, out of the life in the age under our terms, under rebellion from God, under death and, and sin, we enter into a completely new way of life that flows out of God's life itself. Like, suddenly he's our life source for everything. And so now we're not just talking about a point in time. Our eternal life will begin once our physical life ends, but it, it right. starts in that moment. It is. It's a present reality and a present possession for the Christian. You know, I think we don't see that. Uh, we don't think about that often, but when you look at the Bible and all the Bible has to say, like even John three sixteen, you know, the Bible right. says that they have uh, everlasting life. You look at Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen, and you see once again the Bible's talking about a, a present tense reality. First uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen talks about how the Spirit of God dwells within us, and that's mm-hmm. also a present tense. Uh, reality. And one that I found really interesting uh, this past week as we were looking over some things was in John uh, John chapter 5 and verse 24. And you see again, like it's in the present tense. This is a present reality for the Christian um, where Jesus said in verse 24, truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It's in the mm-hmm. very present tense. And when the Bible often describes eternal life, it describes it in that present tense of something that happens 
in a moment of salvation when we, I think the book of John would uh, show this and evidence this, that we when we believe in him, mm-hmm. uh, linking everything to that John 17, 3, you know, believing in the only true God in Jesus Christ, a moment of belief is when eternal life begins for the child of God. And it is that life everlasting. And so uh, why do you guys think it is that often within the church, eternal life is pictured as something in the age to come rather than beginning kind of in the age right now? Well, I think namely, first of all, because this phrase, we take it so at face value. And obviously on this side of eternity, we don't live forever. Like our life ends. And so if we're just... And we do die. Right. We die. That's something that I think doesn't often get thought about. Like eternal life doesn't mean that we don't die. Right. Because we're still in a physical body that operates under the rules of the earth as it's under the curse right now. Um, But I don't think we... We're not very good, especially in the West and in America. We're not super good at looking at the original original language and all the things that it can mean. So I think that's one reason why we focus so much on, oh, well, if that's the word eternal, then that's obviously not, not here. And it's <laughs> just my life's not and eternal. it's just that that, that yeah. quantity of time sort of framework that we have to view that. That's true. What do you think, Stephen? That's true. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. I think death is one thing that does it. I think it's also the the times in scripture where it does mean something time centered, I think we instantly have just, we've, we've broad brushed everything with that. Mm -hmm. But the word is a very like open to context word. Like it's an indefinite period of time. And so it's never really talking about time. Um, the discovery Bible, uh, they had some really good, uh, they had a really good quote on this. They said eternal, um, life, the word Ionios there, the original word, it operates simultaneously outside of time, inside of time and beyond time. Ooh. What gives time its everlasting meaning for the believer through faith, yet it's also time independent. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was just a great quote that they had there, that it operates outside of time, inside of time and beyond time all simultaneously. And it's true. Like, um, yes, there there is something about the quantity of, of time that we can't understand when it comes to eternity and eternal life. But there's also a quality that Jesus talks about. I will give you eternal life. Mm -hmm. I will give you life everlasting. I will give this to you. Right. And he's talking about something that he is going to absolutely radically change about them Mm -hmm. uh, when he comes into their life and when he changes their life. And it's something I think scripture helps show us this, but Oftentimes we only focus on, I think, one side of the equation mm. where we, when we don't really think that eternal life is a part of that already, not yet. Right. You know, like when yeah. we, we had an episode early, way early back here, I remember we oh, did the, on the kingdom of God, it might've been Ooh. like number one yeah, that we started I on think so. I'm looking it up. And I, no, I think it was <laughs> episode right one. Now. I think it was our very first one. I remember uh, launching that. And, and we talked on that episode about how the kingdom of God is this this tension between the already and the not yet and the not yet and i think same is true about life because when you when you look at the bible as one person said uh, death takes place in two stages and so does life and so mm. when you when you look at the bible you see that right you look in genesis 1 and god said in the day that you eat of this fruit you know you, you will, will surely, surely die. die but did they die like well mm. well yes and not yes like mm-hmm. uh yes, yes and, and no. not yes yes and not yes <laughs> no i'm going to start uh, using that <laughs> <laughs> yes and not yes but like they don't die physically but they did die spiritually mm. and there was a second death but you know the bible has much to say about that so i think 
I think already when we talk about eternal life, we clarify it by saying what we don't mean. And it doesn't mean that we do not die physically, but it does mean that just as death takes place in two stages, um, you know, the Bible talks about that in the book of Revelation, that there's the first and the second death. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first death is something that all believers uh, and every person, uh, apart from Christ's coming, will experience Mm -hmm. is that first death. Uh, But the believer doesn't experience the second death. Uh, because they are experiencing that eternal life. Yeah, yeah. And so let's let's talk about it for a second. We've already kind of talked about how a person comes to obtain eternal life, and that's you know through relationship with Christ. But since it is so much of that already and not yet, what does that look like? What are some of those qualities about our life here and now that changes when we come to know Christ and we receive eternal life? I think often I think about eternal life and abundant life. Like the Bible uses Mm -hmm. that phrase as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fuller picture in my mind of what eternal life looks like in the here and now, because the Bible talks about that abundant life, uh, that full life. And I think oftentimes people fail to experience that because, um, you know, we have a really faulty perception of what eternal life and this life is really all about. And I mean, you know, as you're living a physical life still, you get wrapped up in the cares of the world sometimes. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about laying aside, I mean, wait, maybe I'm misquoting my scripture now. Hebrews or Romans talks about laying aside every weight that would ensnare Hebrews. us. I think it's Hebrews. That would be Hebrews. I think it's friend. Hebrews. I'm pretty was, sure. I was thinking the first the first thing that positive. came to mind was pretty, pretty correct. So yeah, but... Um, Keep quoting it and I'll look it yeah. up. <laughs> and let us run the race with endurance. Yeah, Hebrews, yeah. Hebrews 12. Yeah, there we go. Um, and then also, you know how it talks about, we've been talking about the peril parable of the sower recently, how one of the seeds, you know, they were choked up by the cares of life. So I think those kind of things can, are are too physical focus can keep us from experiencing that spiritual reality of abundant life and let that, you know, Mm kind of infuse into our life. Yeah. Um, talking about the parable of the sower, bringing up that idea of sowing and reaping, um, and that picture, um, it reminded me of Galatians six, where it talks about, um, uh, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man sows that will he also reap. And, um, I think that that plays into the eternal life that we experience now too, because in a sense, if you read in scripture, go to places like Corinthians, where it talks about how things, um, about wood, hay and stubble, things of this earth will pass away, but, uh, what is done for the kingdom of God will last. It will be Mm -hmm. like gold and silver that'll last through a fire. Um, there is this idea that even on this earth, you are taking part in eternal life in a sense. And you also are sowing into the future of what we generally think of when we say eternal life, that future time in this present time, you are currently sowing into that as well. And Mm -hmm. you will reap from that. Um, There will be crowns. There will be rewards in heaven. There will be uh, weeping in heaven because of a lack of sowing, right? Mm -hmm. And so in a sense, eternal life, there is a, if we think of it in that way, there is a change right now of... An element of what we're to take hold of. A responsibility. There's a responsibility to eternal life. That's not emphasized in the church today. No. Eternal life is a decision for the life hereafter. Right. Yeah. And that and that the things we do after coming to know the Lord and having the spirit in us, they they are sowing for you know whatever's going to come next whether it's reward or, or punishment. I mean, and that's for everyone who doesn't believe as well. Um but yeah, so it, it does it changes how our 
actions are kind of, you know, yeah. balanced. They're, they're not just for nothing. They're not just for this life only. And then, oh, you know, then we completely, nothing from this previous life matters in the, in the future one. It, it all matters. Mm, it is. And I think when we change our perception about that and begin to think about life from that vantage point mm-hmm. rather than just from the here and now. Actually, I'll tell you, we, um, um, a couple, couple weeks ago now, uh, my middle brother uh, passed away. And uh, he was only 21 years old, mm-hmm. and he was in a pedestrian accident. And um, it's so in the days after has made me think about that verse in Proverbs where it says, "We do not know what tomorrow will bring." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I've shared this with Stephen, but I I've spent the last couple weeks just since his passing, and passing so young, it's caused me to think a lot about uh, the end of life. You know, and it and it made me think as I was preparing for this episode. You know, the Bible has a lot to say uh, in places like Mark ten and Matthew nineteen. Uh, when Jesus is dealing with people, he's talking about eternal life in the age to come, and mm-hmm. certainly that's a part of it. But there is also eternal life in this age, and that's what Paul was admonishing Timothy with in First Timothy six. Paul is wanting Timothy to do what you're seeing, Stephen, to think about his life in light of that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And Paul uses a number of times in 1 Timothy 6, he talks about taking hold of eternal life. Yeah. And so, you know, you have that in conjunction or actually uh, in companion with what Jesus was teaching in the Gospels, that eternal life comes uh, to the person who believes in him. Mm-hmm. But we also... Uh, take hold of that eternal life. Yeah. And I think that's why Paul's trying to show Timothy that in le- at least within context of his life and in pastoral ministry, that he can't pursue money and ministry and the work of the gospel simultaneously. Like mm-hmm. his hand is not big enough to lay hold of two things. Mm-hmm. And so Paul says, hey, Timothy, lay hold of the most important one, lay hold of the vital one, and that's eternal life. And it just has made me think as I've read that passage, as I've thought about my brother and his passing and just thinking about the end of life, it's it's caused me now to think about eternal life, even from the sense of when this age is complete. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, I'm going to stand before God and give an account of my life that, that the things that are happening in this portion of my life are not unrelated to what's going to happen in the age to come. They're directly related. Yeah. 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 I think too, like, part of it is too, like we have this idea of eternal life as like a check that's like written to us mm-hmm. that we have like, we can hold on to and we're going to cash one day. Right. Yeah. When eternal life is more of like a covenant and we don't really think of covenants that much anymore because a lot of times like depending on what theological circle you fall in, that might be a really scary word or that might be something that's <laughs> reserved only for the old Testament. But Jesus is very clear. There's a new covenant mm-hmm. in my blood. Right. And I think it's important to recognize, like, yes, like, covenants were a thing in the Old Testament, but there is an element of Jesus did set up a new way, and a covenant is a two-way relationship, right? Mm -hmm. It's a covenant made with someone, and you enter into a covenant. And I think sometimes we've left that out of the Christian life, where we haven't really emphasized as much, hey, becoming a Christian... Um, entering into a relationship with Christ is entering into a covenant with him, right? And he's made it possible for you. And yes, there is rewards to this covenant that he's made, 
but there's also responsibility because you're entering into this covenant, right? Like he's Mm -hmm. made it possible through his blood, but there is responsibility and eternal life, man, it has responsibility. And I think that we have had too much of a picture of a check mentality that we're just getting a check of eternal life. And man, we get to cash it and yeah, cool. We have our fire insurance, if you want to put it that way, you know, (laughs) and great, you know, but like there's so much more to eternal life. And it's not, it's not like we, we sign up for this covenant with Jesus and then, you know, out of obligation or dread, now we have to do all these things in order to bring about that fullness of life because he changes who we are. That's something we long to do. We don't long to just chill out and like, wait for the end to come. It's it, Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And, and I think right. so much of that is exemplified in how not only does this eternal life perspective change the way we live and our actions and, and our, and our, the way we even speak to people, but it also changes like who we are at our core. The Holy Spirit does a complete, you know, internal to external renovation. He'd like not even a renovation. We were one thing and now we're something completely different. Um, you know, bringing us from death to life, uh, like our identity in Christ is so much about what this eternal life is. Good clarification. You're, exactly. Thank you for that. Cause I was that's not true. saying that like you no. have to do it and that's a good clarification. Cause like, that's not what we're saying. We're not right, saying right. that you have to do these things. Because, because then you fall into legalism and this. No, like it's because of this that you want to do this, right? The spirit yeah. inside of you is leading you uh, to the Lord. Well, it's what Jesus. I think a clear picture of this, if we want to go to a passage to see, like what you both are talking about, would be when Jesus is um, dealing with the rich young man or the rich mm-hmm. uh, with the young ruler. And it's in a number of places. It's in Matthew nineteen, uh, really good place. Mark ten. And, you know, you find what Jesus says to him. I'm going to read Matthew 19 um, near the end of Jesus's discourse with him. Um, he says, you know, in verse 29, this is Jesus speaking, right? Um, because what, what, what I find so interesting about this passage is that the disciples had a really faulty perception of what eternal life was all about. Yeah. Uh, because you look at Mark, like if you look at Mark 10, Mark 10 and Matthew 19, they both have kind of a similar context that before the, the section of the rich young man coming to Jesus, you see uh, little children mm. that are coming to Jesus. And I find it interesting because the disciples in the midst of what eternal life is all about, they had a faulty perception of what it looked like because mm. in one passage, you see these children are coming to Jesus and the disciples think they're unimportant. They're not worthy of Jesus's time. You know, right. like Jesus can't be bothered with your nonsense. Go, yeah, go play away. with your toys somewhere else, you know, but Jesus, his reaction to the disciples Jesus was indignant. He was he was he was displeased at what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jesus was inviting these little children to come unto him and uh in effect for he says for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about eternal life. Yeah. He, he wants the disciples to see, hey look, these little ones are ones who are are worthy of that. I mean, they're they're the ones that are um how does he say it there? He says, uh, it, it belongs, such belongs to the yeah. kingdom of heaven. And those who are like these children. Yeah, that's right. And, mm-hmm. and, and in other places, having faith like a child, mm-hmm. like believing like a child. And then in the very next scene, it shifts to this religious, uh, not, not religious, but this rich man who he seems to have the perfect pedigree of a person that we would think 
would be a recipient of eternal life, you mm-hmm. know? And you have to think, what are the disciples thinking? They're like, this guy's rich. He's got he's it together. Young, he has status. He has influence. Like Jesus, he's he's everything. Why would we not make him a part of the disciple band? Certainly, he has eternal life. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, he asked Jesus that question in verse 17. He says, in Mark 17, teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you notice what Jesus then says to him. Um, you know, he says a number of things, but... Um, I'm sorry, I keep jumping between Mark and Matthew. That's not helpful for Dangerous. anybody, is it? Danger, <laughs> danger. Uh, my notes are in, I'm sorry, my notes are in Mark and my scripture I'm open Ooh, to. That's is exciting. In that's exciting. Ooh. Isn't that terrible? Living, living very exciting. So let here. me find it in Matthew here, right? Um, he he asks, um, oh, actually, you know, it should be just better. Let me just go to Mark. Everybody who's with me, just <laughs> I'm go Mark to too. Mark. Is everybody go in Mark? To yes, Mark. I'm in Mark. Mark 10, right? right? Yeah, Mark 10. And uh, notice how he, he, he asks, um, um, help me here. <laughs> it starts in, in verse 18. Yes. We're there. Or or yeah, saying, there it yeah. is. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, his question is, I think, the same question that a lot of people struggle with because his answer to that, he thought two things. He thought he could do something yeah. to achieve eternal life. And he was completely uh, insecure about what his future was all about. And I think, really, that's the that's the same question that a lot of people have today. Is mm-hmm. um, you know, they without saying it, they would verbalize it this way in our culture that a that a good God will reward nice people for mm-hmm. doing their best. That's the concept in our culture today. Yeah, I mean, and and people who wouldn't subscribe to you know a Christian faith even or a Christian worldview. Everybody at the bottom is asking, how do I live forever? And how do I get there? How do I achieve that? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And Jesus challenges his perception. Yeah. He, he says, wait a minute, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. And then you notice even what Jesus says at the end of that passage. He says, um, truly, I say unto you, verse 29, there is no one who has left house or brother, sister, mother, father, children, or lands for my sake and for the gospel. And will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, mm-hmm. brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with uh, persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Mm-hmm. So even there you see that aspect of what you guys were talking about with the reward and um, the responsibility Jesus is showing us what that looks like, that there is this responsibility. This guy had to have been willing to give up things and you see what was truly important. He did not want God. He did not want Christ. Mm-hmm. He was uh, kind of, I think, what Paul was admonishing Timothy for. Like he wanted something else to lay hold of. Yeah. And he wasn't willing to lay hold of the most important thing. Yeah, so true. Um, so there is so much of eternal life that is happening now. But I also think it is good to look forward to what is coming and what does this mean for us other than just living forever because that has been made clear eternal life does also mean once we're in the presence of God we won't experience that death again but what can what can we expect i know we there's still a lot of mystery in this subject too we don't know exactly what heaven or new heaven and new earth is going to look like but but what are we looking forward to what's the point why why harvest all these seeds for uh, why sow all these seeds for a future harvest and what's what's the point so I'll raise you a question. Oh to no! Answer no, your question, don't you do okay? that. <laughs> I'm with, Laura's not here today, so someone has to do it. Right? <laughs> Shout out to Laura. Um, if we are supposed to be looking forward to it, 
can we actually miss out on eternal life and lose eternal life or is it secure? So like, should we even be looking forward to it is what some people would ask. I think, I think that's a fair question to answer on the podcast. Cause some people might be asking that you might've grown up in a different theological background or different religious background. And you might be asking, can I actually even be secure in eternal life? So mm. is there even anything to look forward to? Ooh. He asked you the question. I'm All right, right here. I'm just enjoying I know he was making con- eye contact with me. Well, I will. I will say that um, I, which is a good question. By it's me. a very good question, and honestly, I think assurance is probably one of the biggest deep struggles that I would say most Christians have. You know, is is assurance, and I'll definitely speak for myself. But I recently came to listening another to another podcast um, where their whole kind of thing is helping Christians rest in Christ and what he has done in his fullness. Um, it hasn't really answered my question of, you know, is once saved, always saved kind of thing, because the Bible does talk about falling away and apostasy. But, you know, I believe that I I think that Christ, his work is complete and there's nothing left that I am a you know, required to do or even capable of doing to complete the salvation that Christ completed in me. Totally right. Um, And so, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's that podcast, you guys should listen to it. I'm just plugging for another podcast since we're in this world, but Theocast, like, I mean, it has been such a huge comfort for me Mm -hmm. having struggled many, many years with just honestly, like this legalistic, really self-critical spirit. And then coming to understand like, whoa, when Jesus said it is finished, he kind of meant that like Mm -hmm. it's finished. And now what I do is just out of a response of love and of gratitude and thanksgiving to him because of all that he's done and how complete it is. So I think that sort of answers your question. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. I was just curious. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. That's where I'm landing. Well, I go to John 10 and I believe scripture should always be compared with scripture. So yes, mm-hmm. there are scriptures that talk about a possible falling away and all these things like you said. But John 10 is super clear. It's the words of Jesus. He's responding to unbelieving Jews. And he Mm -hmm. says in verse 26, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My Mm. sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And I think the key thing that he says there is, hey, you're either sheep or you're not. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you're not, you're not. And if you are, you are. Mm -hmm. And he says, my sheep will never perish. That word never, it's literally an absolute negative. Absolutely no, Mm -hmm. right? That's all it means. (laughs) No, not, absolutely not. Yeah. And so he says, you will never be destroyed. And uh, you are secure in the hand of the Father. You you will never be snatched out of my hand. You'll never be stolen because you're one of my sheep. And um, I think where I would land on that is that once I am secured in the Father's hand as his sheep... If I didn't save myself, I don't have any idea how in the world I could undo what I never had a hand in doing in the first place. Yeah. You know That's what I'm true. saying? That's true. Yeah. And uh, I, I love verse t- John 10, 27 actually like saved me from spiraling a long way down into this self-doubt and things when I was very young. But my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Like mm-hmm. Jesus knows me. Yeah. He knows me. And also the parable of the sower, mm-hmm. I think is another thing actually in support of Mm -hmm. (laughs) security as a Christian, yeah. because I believe the um, explicit application, I believe that there's some application that you can take as a believer from that. 
and some things that you can say, yeah, as a Christian, am I receiving the word of God properly? But the original intention of that parable, I believe, Mm -hmm. was to point out three different soils that had no faith in Christ Mm -hmm. and that eventually it failed them because they tried to take it upon themselves. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth seed is the good soil that actually bore fruit. And that I believe is the actual Christian. But anyway, we're getting way off topic here. (laughs) No, but But, I think um, you guys both bring up a good point and that is God's faithfulness. And like, you know, I think oftentimes where our questions go in terms of salvation are so much more dependent on our faithlessness rather Mm -hmm. than his faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at the scriptures, it overwhelmingly, I mean, Jesus wasn't telling us that we might have eternal life or we could have eternal life, but that we would have eternal life. It's a present reality for the Christian. And Mm -hmm. I think um, where we fall and where we go wrong is by trying to have a faulty perception of what God has said. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, our faulty perceptions end up forming our own reality. Mm -hmm. And if we're not careful, we'll live our lives, you know, thinking and and, and doing things in a way and saying, well, I think this is what God's like. And I think this is what he expects. And I think this is what he wants. And this is how he wants me to live. And, but if we're not careful, God's none of those things. And eternal life is not at all what we've made it out to be. It's simply belief in him. And, Mm and, 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 and that is it. Like, you know, yeah. it, it's marked by a life that follows him. And it's it's consistent in that. But but salvation, I mean, you look at the Gospel of John, and every time Jesus gives that offer of eternal life, it's it's just linked into that word that he says to believe in him. Yeah, and you to know, know and it's him. That, and it's that simple, you know. And I, I really wrestled with this. So, you know, I talked about my brother passing away, and I think about, you know, just personally where he was in all mm. of these things. And I think about that. And, um, you know, because I I don't know, like you, maybe uh, I've seen people in life that had made a decision for Christ and then they stumbled in that or they they seemed to have what seemed like they walked away. And I tell you, that just, I wrestled through all of this in his passing and Mm -hmm. what God just anchored my heart with this one truth And that is, you know, there are moments in life where we sometimes turn away from God, but there's never a moment in life where he turns away from Mm us, Yeah, you know, and like he pursues us and he loves us. And, um, and I think that's what I rest in, in moments like this is like, I think that's what helps me with eternal life because I, I, there's so much about eternal life in the life hereafter that I really can't comprehend Mm -hmm. apart from just believing it and, and taking God's word at its word. But there's so much in my present life and in this present reality that makes me consider uh, what what God has said in his word. You know, I, mm-hmm. I look at this life of what he's given and, um, you know, wasn't it C.S. Lewis that talked about, you know, there's things in this life that um, they seem to satisfy, but they really can't yeah. fully satisfy. And he says, when you, when you see those things or you... Uh, feel those things, you realize that we were created for another world. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But nothing in this world can satisfy that just shows me that I've made for a different world. That's right. Yeah. And I think I think that's the present evidence and the reality in the life of a person right now mm-hmm. is because there are those longings in our heart. Uh, there are those feelings that we know what the Bible says, God has set eternity into the heart of man. Paul makes that case in Romans that mankind is without excuse. So mm-hmm. In our heart of hearts, we know these things to be true if we simply 
believe it. Yeah. So I will jump back now because you did ask a question and I did, I was the one who so got us on track. So you're legitimately answering me this time. He's so not dodging the question. I'm not dodging you. Hey, where's Laura um, for this part too? I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Um, no, I'm not dodging you. Um, I believe that there's so much to look forward to in the future as well as to be aware of in the present. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things in the future would be very seriously like, I think it's I think it's in the concept that you find in Ephesians 1 where it talks about how the spirit has been given to us as the earnest of our inheritance, right? Mm-hmm. Like literally we have the spirit of God living in us, but even with God living inside of us as believers and indwelling us, somehow there is still so much more fullness and completeness that we will experience when we are with him and out of our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's just so hard to imagine, but like there will be a perfectness restored. Um, I was out at camp, uh, a junior camp this past week. And uh, in the morning sessions, uh, we focused in on just working through the storyline of the Bible, right? Um, One year, about two years ago, I was out with the camp director out at Camp Eagle is what it's called in Fincastle, Virginia. And we were just talking and we were like, you know, kids don't really know the Bible anymore like they Mm -hmm. used to when they come to camp. Like back in the day, like they would come to camp and they grew up in Sunday school, a lot of them, and they might have some answers. But nowadays, like kids don't have as much of that when they come to camp when they come to camp and so something that's been on my heart is when i go to places like that to teach the story of the bible and it reminded me of just how simple yet complex yet simple the story of the bible is right like god created everything perfectly and like (laughs) mankind really made a royal mess Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in his perfect plan and sovereign plan he will restore everything to perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is being restored. Uh, we are being sanctified, but one day we will be perfectly renewed in our relationship with Him. We will we will be perfected again. Yeah. And just to think about what the, what in the world does that even mean? That I believe is like one of the greatest joys of looking forward to eternal life. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I I would agree too. And I I was actually having dinner with your wife, Stephen, a couple of weeks ago, and we literally were sitting at this restaurant and we're eating wings and we're both just crying over. <laughs> get the picture, um, but like we're just like we literally were both just moved to tears talking about this very subject and our security in Christ and what it means like for the future and eternal life. And um, I love I love Revelation twenty one and twenty two. You know, we get to skip to the end and 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 read, but so much of what that's about is like how we won't even be like, we won't even have the capacity to rebel against God anymore. All of the possibility of sin, all the possibility of darkness, all that evil presence will be removed from us, will be restored into perfect, complete fullness of life, not um, in ourselves, but literally united with Christ. Mm. And um, then again, like in Ezekiel, which is one of the wackiest prophet books in the Old Testament, but like at the very end of chapter 48, when he's gone through this vision of measuring out a city, and then there's this river flowing through, and it gets really deep. And But it's all a metaphor for how the Spirit of God is going to renew everything. At the very end, um, he's measured the city and it's got these perfect measurements, but it says, and from that day, the name of the city will be the Lord is there. And like God promises that he'll be our God and he'll dwell again with us. Mm. And like, and not just, yeah, the spirit, but like the actual presence of God and we'll look 
with our eyes and look into the face of God. Like the angels don't even get to do that. They cover their eyes with their wings. You know, they're in the presence of God all day long. And yet he's going to let us and restore us to where we're fellowshipping with him. We're talking with him face to face. Like to me, Mm -hmm. that is the most incredible thing to look forward to that the God of the heavens and the earth who created everything, he wants that to be the, the, the end of you know, in the beginning of eternity is just communion with us, his creation, his beloved. And I can't think of any better life than that. Yeah, which I think is so exciting when you talk about some of those things, because that paints a picture of what our eternal life is like when this physical physical life is over, mm-hmm. uh, really in that eternal state. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, when you think about our salvation and the aspects of it that Christ uh, completed Uh, a perfect work on the cross and we are saved from the penalty of our sin in our present life. We are being saved from the power of sin, but one day uh, in that eternal state with a glorified body, we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Mm -hmm. And uh, what an amazing thing to think about that. Um, It's just, it just gives us so much to look forward to because Mm -hmm. I think every day of our life we're confronted with, how much of this life is tainted by sin. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, what do you think about that? Completely, 100% agree. <laughs> and, and we are. We're in these, Paul talks about the, like these tents. We're longing to be clothed with you know, our, our new bodies and, and we're groaning under this weight of sin. But, um, but Tim Mackey, at the very end of that Bible Project video, which I hope you all go watch now because I've talked about it so much, um, but it says, life that is fully connected to God's own eternal life and love is a life that will never end. And that's what we get to look forward to. Um, we get to taste some of it now, but we'll feast on it in the future. Which I think is a, something to look forward to. And I, and I think our hope is for you that is listening today to think about these things in your own life and to consider your life from uh, the end of this age and whether or not in this life you have made a decision to, uh, by faith, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and enter into this eternal life, this abundant life. I guess let me end by asking you guys kind of a simple question, and that would be, how has eternal life uh, shaped your life, impacted your life, made your life um, full in uh, such a profound way? And and I guess I'm looking for kind of what is the, a really personal way that this present reality for a Christian has so shaped your own life. Yeah, I think before Christ for me, it was fear, um, just because I didn't understand uh, eternal life. I think the human brain... Um, if it, if it's likened to a supercomputer, the human brain shorts out when you're thinking on <laughs> eternal life, cause we just don't get it. We can't, right. It's a concept that's not really like attainable in its fullness. So I think before Christ, it was something that was fearful, but after Christ, it's something that brings peace. Cause it's, it's knowing that even though I can't understand it, like the joys of being with God outweighs any misunderstandings that I might have or any incomplete understandings that I could ever have. And, um, I think it's just something that is peaceful, but it's also driving. I mean, it's, Hey man, like there's a responsibility that's attached to eternal life and yes, it doesn't earn it, but there is something that is a part of eternal life that should drive me to live, uh, with a purpose in mind. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Morgan, what about you? Yeah, I think, um, as the Lord has been so kind to really show me what is eternal life and that the goal of this life is just that I know him and that I follow him and that I live 
and his love for me, knowing that that's God's heart toward me and not one of wrath and of judgment, even though he hates sin, but his heart toward me is tender and it's gentle. And and knowing that all of his longing is wrapped up in that I come to know him and know all of that. Um, And that, you know, he wants that for everyone. That's what's, that's what's driven the course of my life. I was talking about earlier how I'm, you know, going to be a global worker. I'm not wanting to do that for any number of reasons that couldn't, you know, hardship is coming and it's not easy. And, you know, but the, the joy of wanting to bring other people into that knowledge of who Jesus is to, to tell them like, listen, Jesus is calling for you. Come on, like follow him, follow him. Like this is where the fullness of life is. Um, There's just, why would we want to live for anything other than Mm. that, than Mm. the love of God itself? Yeah, that's, that's so good. I think both of those things you guys mentioned are so profound. And I think for me, it would be kind of piggybacking a little bit on what you said, but um, I think for me, it's, it's the concept that our culture is so focused on just the here and now and life is meaningless. Mm. And, you know, when you think about death, it's just this nihilism. It's just, you just, there's nothing after that. And I think for me, eternal life is one of those things that um, gives me so much to look forward to. You know, I think about how great this world is. And then I think about, well, God's going to make a world like this, renew this world in, mm-hmm. a, in a way that it has no sin tainted. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, and like that, that, that hope, I think for me, is the way uh, eternal life has most shaped my life is mm-hmm. uh, not just in being thankful and grateful for God's forgiveness, but to knowing that there's a purpose uh Things in this life are not meaningless, but they're meaningful. Like mm-hmm. there's there is something that God is doing in my life and in this world, and He's working things in such a way uh, that there's a greater glory of something that I don't mm-hmm. uh, see in this life, but one I will receive mm-hmm. in the age to come. So um, it's interesting to me. You know, all three of us have experienced the same thing, and yet uh, there's been a different aspect of that that's really shaped us and challenged us. So. Yeah. And there's so many more. I think there's probably so many more. And maybe yours is different than even ours that we shared in the podcast today. But, uh, man, we're so glad to have you uh, listening with us today. And, and Morgan, it's been great having you back on the podcast today. It's been so fun. And actually, just stick around because Morgan you will may be hear my back voice again. <laughs> with us uh, in probably a few episodes here uh, with Laura, hopefully. So yeah. uh, you'll, you'll, you'll hear Morgan again. And uh, But uh, once again, if you want to get a, uh, join her and come alongside her, in this new uh, journey that she is on, uh, reach out to us here at Where We Land, and we can put you in contact with her information, and uh, you could jump on board uh, to be a part of all that God's doing in her life. So, well, hey, thank you so much for listening to us today, and uh, if this episode at all has been a help to you, uh, we didn't ask that you would share it to somebody, and uh, also, if you've not yet done so, uh, to go on Apple Podcasts, rate and review uh, where we land. Just take a few minutes to write uh, a helpful review. Uh, this is so helpful for us and being able to uh, get the podcast out to more people. And so if you've been listening with us really faithfully, uh, we would really just count it a privilege if you would uh, go do that and take a few minutes in that way. So once again, thanks so much for being with us and we'll see you again here in two weeks. 